0: Hey, 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 are you here? Okay, that's a big yup. So let's get started on this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour, and why not, right? Usually, publicists are, you know, behind the scenes. But when you've got an outlook and a life like Gary Springer's had, well, well you can understand why Paul E. Leslie wanted to interview Gary so much. Like like his legendary father, the late John Springer, our guest today, Gary Springer, is a film publicist. And you may have read about him on page six, where he told the story about how Marilyn Monroe was his babysitter. (laughs) You just have to stay tuned to hear the rest of that. You're going to love this laid-back interview with Gary Springer, a real, real Hollywood cinema insider. And if you'd like to be an insider with the Paul Leslie Hour, uh uh-huh, you can. Just go to com slash support, and you'll know what to do. Fly on the wall? Eavesdropping? Yeah, that's what it's going to feel like, but hey, let's do it. Here's Gary Springer on the Paul Leslie Hour. Have a refreshment. Maybe some popcorn and milk duds. Enjoy. Hi, Paul. Hey, hey, how are
1: you? Good, you? I'm doing just fine. I'm so glad to hear that. Good to see you. Yeah. So you are joining us from uh, the great state of New York. Indeed. I
2: live outside of New York City, about 40 miles north of the city, in the woods and you know I, I i grew up in manhattan lived there until i was well until i went to boarding school at about 15 and then came back for a few years and then went to la for nine years and then came back here back east and eventually i've been up here now 30 33 years 32 years up in the woods but i commuted back and forth mm-hmm. for you know another 25 years
1: but uh, the past few days, you have been enjoying some pool time.
2: I have, actually. That's why I, was, I, I, I pushed this back a half an hour, because I was playing Cabana Boy and, you know, putting the chemicals in the pool. and. and uh...
1: <laughs> well, that's always good. I, I want to properly introduce our guest. Gary Springer is a movie publicist. He has a great story and a great perspective. I've been having a good time listening to other interviews with you and reading different things. He is the son of the late PR legend, John Springer. But Gary Springer is the man at Springer Associates PR. He's also done some acting in such films as Jaws 2, Dog Day Afternoon. He worked on The Crew for Taxi Driver which that's quite a a thing. A lot of interesting experiences throughout your life. So it's a great opportunity to have you here on the show.
2: Great. Thank you, Paul. I'm glad to be here.
1: So I think most stories are best from the beginning. Could you describe your childhood? What was life like growing up?
2: Oh, I mean it, was, it it was it was great. I mean I grew up in Manhattan, as I mentioned. My father was a a a, a movie personality theater and event publicist because back then you did everything. Nowadays it's also specialized, but you know, then you know, when it was just kind of in its infancy in the in the late fifties and, and and you know early sixties, you did everything. And my dad represented he started off I mean, the long version is when he was 15 years old, he won a national contest. Uh, he was a kid from Rochester in New York, won a national contest that brought him to New York City for the first time ever without supervision because my grandparents said, that's fine, he, he can go. And the very first night um, he came in, it was a Paramount contest. They brought him to the Paramount Theater in Times Square. And his dates that night were Mary Pickford and Buddy Rogers. Uh, The next day, they took him on a tour of New York City, and that night brought him to Radio City Music Hall with a girl who was about maybe four years older than he was named Ginger Rogers. The next day, they brought him to the theater, uh, and the star, afterwards, they went out to uh, lunch, and that was Tallulah Bankhead. Mm. And uh, that night, uh, he went out with the woman he wrote the essay about, won him the contest, Sylvia Sidney. And every one of those people wound up being clients of my dad's when, you know, in later years. He stayed friendly with every one of them. And so, you know, he's been in it all his life. And I, I've basically been in it all all my life. I, um, you know, uh, my parents, uh, my parents met, my father was living with Bob Sterling who uh, was dating Ann Jeffries, who was my mother's best friend. Anne was starring in Kiss Me, Kate at the time on Broadway, and my mother was in the show. And Sterling was a big RKO star. My father at the time was working for RKO. He was the head of uh, New York publicity for RKO. And um, they were roommates. And, of course, you know, Sterling and Ann got together. And then, of course, their friends got together. So I basically grew up, you know, with all these people around me. Of course, the great story is that my babysitter, at one point, was Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn actually used to do that a, a lot, from what I understand. She would. Uh, I'm friends with the Wallacks, Eli Wallach and Ann Jackson's kids, Roberta and Peter and Taffy, and and of course, Eli was in a couple movies with Marilyn, I believe. And the um, she was always they said that she was always over there. You know, sending Eli and Ann out and, and watching the kids. And that's what she did with my parents a couple of times. And, and then, of course, my first job was when I was in first grade. I was, uh, I'd crawl out my seventh floor window, go down the fire escape, go into the fifth floor, take the dog and walk the dog around the block before I went to school. That was Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. So Paul and Joanne were my first bosses and 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 it was great, I mean, uh you know, my dad has a a, a photo collection that Getty has now it's hundred and ninety two thousand movie stills, and I post about two or three times a week on people's birthdays and and uh or if they a film opened, I'd post a film and it's the John Springer collection on Instagram, if anybody's interested. And yesterday was the anniversary of Richard Burton's death. And Burton was very, very important in our family. My father knew Richard in 1955 and started representing him, you know, in, in the sixties, early sixties for Camelot. And then obviously with Elizabeth and, and, and beyond, uh, until he died. But yesterday was his birthday and, I mean, the, the anniversary of his death. So I posted a picture and a little story about how in 1961, my parents took me to see Camelot, and we went to Sardi's afterwards. And the matron at Sardi's said, and who are you here to see? I said, well, I'm here to see the king. And he said, well, who's the king? And I said, Katie Burton's daddy. And uh, so, yeah, so it was a very interesting interesting way to grow up. And, and I honestly never had any thought of doing this. I, I mean, I went to high school. I went to about four different high schools, two of them. Three of them in in the first two years. So I actually made the say the the final school for two years, and figured I was going to go to college. You know, I, I I mean I grew up doing this. I would help my father on weekends, work in the office. You know, especially around the New York Film Festival time, which he represented for the first I don't know twenty five years of its existence. So I, I I knew it, and I and I did it. But you know, I was going to go to college for four years, and then you know. I was at a party with my parents in my senior year. We were doing, we bombed in New Haven at school, the Joseph Heller play. And honestly, the only reason I was doing it was because I could get out of curfew because I was in a boarding school and I had no real desire to be an actor. Um, But I was talking to this guy at this New Year's Eve party that my parents took me to. And a couple of weeks later, my father called me up and said, you know, Yvonne Passer uh, would love to talk to you. Do you remember him? I said, yeah, I met him at, uh, you know, New Year's. And uh, I I said, what does he want? And my dad goes, oh, I don't know. And so Yvonne called me at school. I gave him a number at the doormaster's house and, you know, said, you know, you have a very interesting quality. I'm doing a movie. I think you'd be perfect for it. But I'm not an actor. He said, well, you told me you were acting. I said, yeah, but that's just so I can get out of curfew. But uh, he said, no, no you'll be great in this you'll be you'll you'll be fine it's a movie that i'm doing it's with carol o'connor and ernest borgnine and i then i said i can't you know i'm in school he said well you know o'connor's shooting all in the family so we're shooting it in the summer i said okay so then my teacher who was doing we bombed in new haven heard about that i was you know i told him i was doing this and he said well you know i've been talking with joseph heller because this was 1972, We Wanted in New Haven was always done in army uniforms and very straight. We did it all black, surrealistic, very strange. And so he and Heller decided to do it uh, in in New York. So the teacher asked me if I wanted to be in it. He said, well, you're acting in a movie in New York. You want to be in the play and play the same role you played in uh, up at school. So I said, sure. So uh, for the f- I was 17 years old. Uh, we were doing it at the... Uh, Circle in the Square downtown. For the first four performances, I was totally nude the entire time on stage. Painted in a pale blue body makeup with blood spattered all over me because I was one of the idiots, one of the soldiers who gave in to the authority. Because, like Catch 22, New Haven was an anti authority play. And then I did this movie uh, right here. Oh, and the play opened and closed in the same night. Got Terrible, terrible reviews, and they hmm. said, to close it. So my baptism of fire in the New York theater. But then following that, I, I did the movie with O'Connor and Borgnine, and I played a punk kid, and they were auxiliary cops trying to clean up their neighborhood, and, and they see me smoking pot against the wall, and every time they come up and harass me or try to bring me into a precinct or something, all I do is I look at them and I go, fuck you. And that was my building. I was billed as the fuck you kid. What he saw in me, I don't know, but anyway, it was a great – all of a sudden, I did a off-Broadway play and, and, and a movie a year after I graduated from high school. And then in January, I went to college and got there, and they said, oh, it's the New York fucking actor. And that turned me off, and I quit college and moved back to New York, which was actually the best thing because I was in New York for the cast and crew screening of Law and Disorder – and the casting director said, you know, you were very good in this. We're doing another movie and you should come and try out for it. And I said, Well, I'm not really an actor, you know, I don't have an agent or anything. He said, That's fine, you'll come. And it was, and I dog day afternoon. And <laughs> I played Al Pacino's partner, I chickened out of the bank robbery, and I got an agent, and they got me a movie right away and sent me to Hollywood. Before that, though, I decided I really liked the idea of being a New York crew guy from working on law and disorder and and then dog day and much of this crew was the same and i just loved the way the camaraderie between those guys and it was like you know it was one big family and they went from project to project which is why i i I was a pa on taxi driver i called up um, marty and my father worked together for a while and i knew marty and and said look you know and he said but i I," said said how good you were in this movie and i said you know what i don't really i really want to do become a crew guy so that's why I did Taxi Driver, and then uh, that was a uh, summer of seventy four, seventy five, something like that. And we finished in August, and September was the New York Film Festival, and my dad was representing it again, and I was there, and on opening night, one of the top agents at ICM said, you know, I just saw a Sneak of Dog Day, you were very good, who's your agent? I said, oh, I don't have an agent, I'm going to go through the DGA program. And they said, well, you know, we can still send you out. So I said, all right. So they said, you yeah, know, got me a job mm-hmm. um, in two weeks and called Bernice Bob's Her Hair. And it was with Shelley Duvall and Bud Court and Dennis Christopher and Veronica Cartwright. And we shot it in Savannah, Georgia. And Shelley and I became great friends, and they were back over over New Year's, she and her boyfriend, and said, you know, when do you have to go back to school? Because I was taking courses at Hunter, not Anything real? I said, oh, Well, not till February. Come out to California, and I said, Well, my agents want me to go out, so I moved out to LA and wound up living with them for eleven months, and and then uh, and then stayed for another eight or nine years, and did things like Happy Days and Jaws Two and Small Circle of Friends and Hometown USA, which I actually started. Another one that closed. Actually, that that, that didn't really even open. It opened at the second bill on Hollywood Boulevard. But um, one of the great stories there is that Elizabeth Taylor by now is married to John Warner and is living in Washington. And sent my father a picture because my father's one of his best friends in the world was Henry Fonda. And um, Elizabeth sent my father a picture of Gary, uh, the local drive-in, Gary Springer in hometown USA. Jay Fonda in the China Syndrome, but you know, I never really wanted to be an actor. It's a, it's a it's a wonderful life. It's a it's it's great fun. It's it's you know, you get to play. I was very good at playing myself. I didn't have great range, but I played myself very well. I met my uh, my future wife when I was in Martha's Vineyard. She was a waitress in Martha's Vineyard when we were shooting Jaws 2. And we kind of had a long-distance relationship. And then she wound up coming out to California. And um, we decided to get married and came back east to get married. And while we were back east, my father said, you know, Kara White, who was his work for him, just left to become the head of TriStar Publicity. He said, you'd be great if you wanted to uh, come back. I don't know who to get, but I know you and Nancy are very happy out there. And she started kicking me under the table and crying. And I said, Dad, you know, I like being an actor. I've had a great time doing it. I've had great experiences, but I really, because I had been working in his office in LA for the last two years, because Nancy was a teacher and she taught deaf children at the John Tracy clinic. So she'd get up at six in the morning. And if I didn't have an audition, I'd get up at noon. And um, it just wasn't working with this relationship. So I asked my dad if I could come and work in the office out there. And actually one of my first clients, when I started working for him in California, was the sale of PitFair. Which of course was Mary Pickford's house and Douglas Fairbanks, but became Mary Pickford and Buddy Rogers. And it turns out, you know, I'm working. My first big PR job is the same one that um, my father did in 1932 when he met, you know, Mary and and, and Buddy. So everything comes full circle. Hmm. But we moved back in the early 80s, and I, you know, I acted for a little bit longer. I did some jobs. I went out. I did a fairy tale for Shelley. Um, you know, she had that fairy tale theater.
1: I remember those.
2: It was great. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. And and um came back to New York and pretty much I've been doing the, the PR movies, Broadway shows. I've done twenty two Broadway shows and uh, been representing movies and some personalities, not like the old days, not like with my dad. My dad represented, you know, Marilyn, Richard Elizabeth, Warren Beatty, Julie Christie. Yves Montand, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, Myrna Loy, Henry Fonda, Jimmy Stewart. You know, I mean, he had stars and personalities, and, and I didn't really do that. It was a whole different, you know, it was a whole different era and was actually starting to get where it was much more organized, like theater people just did theater. You know, movie people just did movie, and then there were people who just did personalities. I was still lucky that I, you know, learned from my dad and I've worked with him. So I still had a range where I was doing all those different things. But, um, and I've been doing it since I had an office, actually my office, for about, I don't know, 20, 25 years was in the old Paramount building at 1501 Broadway on times square, which is where the Paramount theater was, which also goes back to that very first night that my dad was there because he won the Paramount contest. And that's where they brought him to meet Buddy and Mary Pickford. So it all comes full circle.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of of full circle, was there any lessons in terms of, of publicity that you learned from your dad that you apply to this day?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, it's one reason I did it. I'm going to come back and work with the best. But, you know, I mean, first of all, honesty. Um, uh, I, there's a lot of publicists I know who aren't always honest. And My father said I never lied to the press. I didn't always tell them all the, all the facts and the truth, but I never lied to the press because that, that way they're never going to trust you or your clients. And my father was a gentleman. He was, you know, when he died, I think Variety said he was the last gentleman in a business with very few gentlemen. Mm. And I learned that, and that's, you know, I, my clients become my friends more or less even if it's just for that project it isn't like it's not you know it's not a one shot deal oh, i got to work with this one i got to work with that one for that for that time for that time period they become my best friends because that's that's the way i learned it
1: has there been a film that you've worked on that just you you are still to this day you're absolutely mesmerized by this movie
2: as an actor or as a publicist?
1: As a publicist. One that just it blew you away. You were, And it was so great to work on it.
2: I mean, there have been so many. I mean, I've done, I remember Tests of the D'Urbervilles back, you know, which I, I just loved. I just remembered what a, what a great movie that was. I'd say in recent years, two movies that I just knocked me out. One was a movie called Jodorowsky's Dune. Which was um, Alejandro Jodorowsky was going to make Dune after uh, after he made some of his wild wild you know bizarre movies, and he couldn't get the money. I mean he had he had the entire book. Well, he had like three thousand drawings uh, that they put together, and he had uh, Geiger Geiger, who was the guy who did the. Uh, designed the aliens for Alien, among other things. They put this together. It was such a great movie, and I still think it was better than any of the Dunes that that we've seen since. And the the other one that really knocked me out, I just, I could watch it over and over again, was um, Only Lovers Left Alive, the Jim Jarmusch movie, with Tilda Swinton and um, Tom and Anyway, yeah, I mean, I just, that that blew me away. It was so terrific. But one of the most fun I ever had working on a movie was when I was still in college. And my father was representing Cinema 5, which was the big movie chain in New York City. It It was the Walter Reed theaters and the Cinema 5 theaters. And they were also distributing. And my dad was representing them. And he came up with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, he was representing that movie in the US. And John Rugoff, who was the, the head of Cinema Five, came up with the idea of having people wearing the costumes that the actors wore in the movie wandering around the streets of New York. So I got one of my college buddies, my you know, my, my best buddy, and you know, we had beards not as Full as yours, but, you know, we had to glue them on every day, and um, he wore Graham Chapman's costume, which, of course, was King Arthur, and I wore Michael Palin's, which was Sir Galahad, and we had this street theater kid who we dressed in rags and carried the banner, and he carried the flyers and the coconuts, And and we wound up wandering the streets of New York for about two weeks going into, in chain mail, which was wool, and you know very hot but going into every bar called the round table or edwards you know pub or whatever and jousting and then they buy us drinks and then we did that in washington and boston and philadelphia the cities that you could move so that was i probably saw and i also had to write a paper for college so i figured oh well, hell i've got this right in front of me so i saw probably monty python on the holy grail about 45 times But the the opening night party, they also decided to do it in the most bizarre place they can. And they did it in a giant massage parlor parlor on 42nd and Lexington in what's now the Great Hyatt Hotel next to Grand Central. But the entire second floor was this den of iniquity. And they kept all the girls who were working there. And it was a party. We had all the pythons were there. And... Robert Plant and Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin took our swords and they were jousting in the halls and, and Andy Warhol was in the hot tub with Rex Reed. And, you know, it was, it was, it was one of the great film experiences of my life.
1: If somebody out there is interested in maybe starting their own public relations firm or getting hired to work for a, a, you know, maybe they want to work for Rogers and Cowan or one of the, PMK. What kind of advice Actually, would
2: you Rogers give? Actually, Rodgers and Cowan is now PMK. That's right. Yeah, and I forgot heard. that. So it's Rogers and Cowan, PMK, BNC.
1: One giant name and, Robert, and firm. Yeah. What advice would you give?
2: First of all, you have to be a good writer because, I mean, you really have to – basically what I do is I'm a salesman. I sell a product. Whether it be a personality or whether it be a movie or whether it be a play, I'm still selling a product to people like you. I send out, I I send out a release and I say, Paul, you know, I've got this blah, 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 blah is opening, is opening soon. We just did interviews for a movie called Jazz Fest, which I was representing. You did, uh, Frank Marshall. The director, Frank, of course, who produced things like, you know, all the Jurassic Parks and the Indiana Joneses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and directed this movie. And, but basically, I'm a salesman. I'm Mm -hmm. selling my product to the the media and, again, all the others. But you have to write because you have to be able to have that gift of dab to pitch over the phone, although you don't pitch over the phone like you used to because nobody wants to pick up the phone. So it's really all done by email. And nowadays, nobody responds to their emails. Mm. (laughs) That's very frustrating in the long run. But, you know, when you see a you know, a a review in a newspaper or a photo in a magazine of an upcoming movie. That's not there just because it just showed up. It's somebody like me had to contact the, you know, the media, the journalists. So the first thing is, if they want to do it, is to to really write well, to be able to, to be able to come up with a good pitch, to be able to come up with a good storyline. You know, you've already got a movie behind you or a Broadway show or a book. You know they're all pretty much similar in in what you have to do. you're still selling a product mm. and you have to sell it and then you know i mean and then it is it is tough because you know i mean you, you could start off start off doing you know if you if you, you know if you were in high school i mean one of the things when I was in high school when I wasn't doing plays to get out of out of um curfew. I would do the publicity for the plays because I, I I knew it from my dad. I would write the programs, which, you know, the, the Broadway publicist still has to put the program together. Playbill doesn't do that. The Broadway publicist puts it all together and submits it to Playbill. So I was doing that and I was, you know, sending out stuff to the local newspapers about our school play and, so, you know, and it's practice, and it's it's how I, it's, it's kind of how I, I, I felt comfortable doing it. And when I started working with my dad, I had already knew the whole idea behind it. But um, honestly, I'm bad because I, I did work for my dad, so I never really had to go out and, and find a job. And then when he retired and finally died, I just took it over. But I think that's the most. It's having a gift of gab having a wit, and being a good salesman.
1: Now, when I do these lightning round questions, they're just kind of like quick question, quick answers. And I don't know what it is, but for some reason, I get the most responses from listeners about these. So doesn't have to be your definitive answer, but your favorite movie of all time. I think The Godfather. The Godfather. What about it?
2: I loved epics. I always loved epics. Bridge over the River Kwai, Lawrence of Arabia, Gone with the Wind. I just love these big, grand epics. And The Godfather Whole Saga was one of the great, grand epics of all time.
1: Absolutely. What about a person that you have been around as a result of your publicity work or from your acting experiences that you genuinely were in awe of?
2: Well, I mean, as I said, I, I, you know, I grew up with a lot of different people. I, I think the one person that I met who I just, out of everybody else, was Groucho Marx.
1: Wow. that Yes. Say no more. <laughs> what about a place that you, you have been to? Something I thought was very interesting about you is all these different places. Like, not a lot of people get to do a... Uh, something related to film publicity and go to the Red Sea. Uh, <laughs> what places have you been to that just a few that have really been very interesting for you to visit?
2: Well, I mean, I was a juror at the uh, Dhaka Film Festival in Bangladesh. Uh, not a lot of people get to Bangladesh. Right. Um, I was a, a, a panelist at a, at, a, at a convention in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. I was a juror in, at the Tromso Film Festival. Tromso is in Norway, 400 miles north of the Arctic Circle in January. So it's cold and dark. But, the, you know, I mean, and that's one of the things that I, I, I do love. And uh, Egypt, I've been going to the, red, to the uh, El Guna Film Festival for the last five years, which is on the Red Sea. And Cairo, uh, El is in October, back to, back to uh, Cairo. Fascinating.
1: Hmm. What about a place that you would like to visit that you haven't been to?
2: I've never really done Argentina or Chile. And I've always, I actually represented the Chilean film last year for the Academy Award for the best foreign film uh, section. And I've always wanted to go down there and, and, and explore that area.
1: The greatest living American director.
2: Probably, I would say Marty Scorsese. He just has such a range and 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 so prolific, and not just in film and all of the you know in, in the reconstruction and, and uh, of films and and uh, yeah, I'd probably
1: say Marty. How would you describe Martin Scorsese? A
2: dynamo, <laughs> a nuclear power plant.
1: <laughs> he's
2: short. He's Italian, and he's got that energy.
1: So how did you come to work on the Jazz Fest in New Orleans Story documentary?
2: Well, as I said, I'm, I'm an independent. I don't work for Rogers and Cowan, PMKBNC Corporation, because I took over from my dad. And my dad, you know, had his own office. And Sony Pictures Classics has been very good to me. Um, and they, they, they give me a number of movies. They work with about five or six different PR companies because obviously the big Sony's, the Universals, the Big Warner Brothers, they have their own in-house PR offices and things. But a lot of like, you know, the the Focuses and the Magnolias and the Sony Pictures classics, they do their own, you know, they 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 hire out to the agencies. And Sony's been very good to me. And and um I actually did two movies this fall for that this spring. At the same time I did Jazz Fest. And I did The Phantom of the Open, which Jazz Fest was a documentary, a music documentary. And The Phantom of the Open was a a, a feature film starring Mark Rylance and Sally Hawkins and um, was about golf and life. So very different movies. But again, it's, you know, you can really do most anything because it's just a salesman. You know, Mm. I'm selling a product and I like everything about every movie I've worked on. Even if the, even if there's, you know, if it's difficult, there's always aspects of stage shows or movies, whether it be, whether it be certain scenes or the actors, even if it's not the greatest thing in the world, you always find something that buoys you and, and energizes you to be able to go in and, 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 and sell it.
1: What do you hope people say about you when you're not in the room?
2: I'm a good guy. That's what I hope. Because I am a good guy. And that, again, that's something I learned from my father, who also, one of his other things that, that I learned, my father never gossiped. You know, because, and when people asked him to write a book, and he always said, no, no, no. I, have, I was raised by the Jesuits, and I have the seal of confession besides if i wrote a book what would your clients think so we always kept it close
1: what is the best thing about being gary springer
2: i've always had freedom i've always i've always done things that i want to do i've never i've never felt constricted by anything i have Two wonderful kids, or actually one. My son died uh, last April. He was a. I um, uh, got sick in 1999, uh, became a quad amputee, but went on to become a gold medal winner. Here's the hmm. Olympic gold medal in the in the Beijing Olympics, and won the bronze in London in wheelchair rugby, which is also known by the film version, Murderball, which I represented. <laughs> Uh, at Sundance and all the way to the Academy Awards, and um, he unfortunately, from when he got sick, it just his body was never perfect, and he wound up dying. But I have a, a, a daughter and two grandchildren and a beautiful woman I live with, and and work that I like doing. I, I mean, I like working on movies. I like pushing these things because they're every one of them is different. I remember one time I was in Cannes. And I was talking to Ed Pressman, who was quite a, you know, big producer. We were um, at the Hotel du Cap, which has this long, long walkway with these beautiful poplar trees going all the way down to the the Mediterranean. And the two of us, it was the end of Cannes. It was a busy time. And we're like, oh, God, I can't wait to get home. Oh, this is such a pain in the ass. Oh, this is awful. And then you look around and he says, yeah, but we could be working in a bank we could be working in a cubicle. And so that's what, that's one of the great things is freedom. You know, I've always been able to, you know, I work from home way before COVID. I closed my office in 2015 in Times Square because I realized that people weren't coming to the office. You know, I don't do theater anymore because of that because to do Broadway shows, you really got to be there, you know, because you're always running backstage or you're running to the box office. But I still do the events and the and the movies and you know and work. Freedom,
1: I love that, I, I, and I love the way you put it. So often, it's all about perspective. Well, I always like to give the guest the stage or the microphone or however you want to put it. It's been really great to 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 talk to you, and I hope to run into you at a a film festival or a movie sometime a movie theater sometime but what You're would you... you Charleston, right? I am, yes.
2: I would get down there. My niece lives down there, so you know, and uh, uh, another one of my friends works for the Savannah College of Art and Design, so I get down to that neighborhood every once in a while, so I wouldn't be surprised if we run into
1: each other someplace. I hope so. I hope so. But anything you'd like to leave our, our listeners and viewers with?
2: You know, I mean, you just said, what is life like for Gary? It's a great life. I loved... I mean I love being an actor. I never wanted to be an actor, but when I for the 10 years that I was doing that, what a great experience. I love growing up in show business. You know, with my with my parents going to the theater, going to movies, going with the theater people and show business people are fun. They're interesting, they're quirky, they're they're they're, they're fun and I've enjoyed my entire life as a publicist. So yeah, I mean there's a lot of different professions and you know when you live in LA you really only know showbiz people because it's such a city but you know being in New York you've got neighbors who do everything they're investors they're you know they're post office people there's you know I mean everything and people are good showbiz people are a lot of fun it's a great it's a great life and if anybody's thinking of going into it I would certainly recommend it.
1: Well, Gary Springer what a pleasure to talk to you on this on this Saturday morning, and uh, I, I wish you a wonderful week ahead. And until we meet again.
2: Well, I appreciate it, Paul, and and uh, uh, I'm sure we will because uh, you know I'll have more projects, and you know you know I'll be coming to you and saying, "Hey, do you want to talk to so and so? Hey, I got this movie opening up. You want to talk to so and so? That's that's the way it happens.
1: Right,
0: the show must go on. Exactly. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepauleslie.com. That's thepauleslie.com. Click on support the show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primorano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primorano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie, and we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.